It all happened one cold November evening when I was 17 years old, 1989, November the 9th to be precise, in Berlin. The wall fell. The wall had always been there. When I was a kid, there was the wall. There was the East and the West. There was the free world and the Iron Curtain behind which the communist world lurked. Grey, drab, concrete, control. And yet, that wall had always been there. And as far as I was concerned, it always would be there. It was a concrete wall. It was guarded by machine gun turrets. And it had a minefield, and attack dogs, and people died trying to cross the wall. Less than 100 people a year were able to cross the wall. And yet, in one evening, the wall fell. There it was on TV, as I lay on the sofa in front of the fireplace in my parents' home, watching the nightly news, and the the reporter standing there in front of scenes of joy as east and west reach through to each other through holes in the wall and people pulling down the wall drinking beer cheering and communist guards stood watching on and i remember there was a scene captured i only saw it years later when i walked into mtv's office on Oxford Street in London. And there in the main office was a a large photograph hanging over the reception, a picture of those scenes in 1989, the Berlin Wall. And three East German guards, communist guards, who days earlier would have shot all the festivities around them. They would have been in the watchtower, carefully guarding any kind of movement either side of the wall. But there they were, on top of the wall, crouched, and one East German guard holding in his hands an umbrella with the MTV logo on it, as if to signify freedom. Now, the wall had always been there. People had tried to tunnel under the wall. People had tried to escape over the barbed wire. Many were killed. And yet, one evening... Thousands crossed, and in the days that followed, thousands more East Germans flooding into Berlin, bringing with them their trabants, their cars, and looking for coke. Many came across looking for the symbols of the West that they had only heard about in rumor. So, how did it all happen? Well, it all happened because... In one day, or a series of events leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall, people stopped believing in the story. Francis Fukuyama, the historian and writer, said of 1989 that this was the end of history. And what he meant was that this was the end of the world in which we knew it. And the world which we knew was a world of East and West, a world of the free and communism. Now, 
the fall of the wall had signaled all the end of that. So all the schemas and the ideas and the stories and the identities and the politics that surrounded those stories also unraveled. And what happened in the following year was the domino toppling of East Europe, Romania, Hungary, Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, all the Baltic states, even Russia, usurped their communist leaders and returned, at least for some time, to the free world. All because people stopped believing in a story. And that's the power of a story, that people can tunnel under walls, people can break through walls, people can climb over walls. But a story once believed can imprison people forever. Similarly, a story can set you free. And I think about the stories that we tell about ourselves on a daily basis. Stories freed the American slaves. Not because for some, for the first time, people knew about American slaves. It's because they began to empathize with their plight. Stories told about the slaves brought from Africa to America and then the conditions in which they lived on plantations and the slaves that fought for the American forces against the the Confederates in the American Civil War. Those stories that were told helped people empathize with others because they understood people through stories. They knew they were black American slaves, but nobody empathized with them. And yet when the stories were told about them, people understood that they were human beings just like you and me. And that is the power of story. Stories sell iPhones. Stories elect tyrants. sorry, And stories also took us to the moon, not because... Somehow stories gave us new technologies, but stories allowed us to use technologies in better ways. The Apollo Moon program had, to its credit, a a computer which had at most four megabytes of memory. And you consider that the average phone now has 10 to 20,000 times more memory than the Apollo Moon program. And yet, somehow, they got to the moon. And that somehow was engaging and garnering 400,000 engineers into one mission. To believe in a story. Believe in that mission. John F. Kennedy, apparently when he was walking around, NASA command was walking through the, the corridors. In the apocryphal tale, he was bumped into a janitor who was cleaning the floors and JFK stood and talked to him and he asked him a question. He said, what do you do here? And the janitor said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And that is the power of a story to engage people to believe in a reality or in many ways to stop believing in a reality. And once we stop believing that reality falls apart and everything with it, systems of government, and even physical walls. And yet, 
the opposite positives are also true. If we were to believe in a story, look at what we can achieve. We can get a man to the moon with less than four megabytes of memory. Most people with 10,000 times that computational power will simply take a photo or a selfie. And yet, human beings were able to fly mankind to the moon and bring him home safely again. That is the power of a story. And the most powerful story ever told was the one that you keep telling to yourself every single day about who you are and what you do. For like the Berlin Wall, it can imprison you or set you free forever. If you're a struggling artist, then you will always struggle because that's what they do. If you're a boss, then you will always be the master, the answerer of all questions, the knower of all mistakes and ideas and responsible for everything. The word boss itself comes from the word in Dutch, boss or boss, which also means master, literally. When you have only masters, then the servants or the slaves cannot be responsible for any mistakes or ideas or innovation. And an influencer, if that's what you are, will always live for the expectations of others and die by their rejection. So we have to choose our stories carefully because we are telling them around us all the time. We tell them in for at the most conscious level in how we describe ourselves on social media. For example, on LinkedIn, your profile is a reflection of your internal story. How you introduce yourself and greet yourself and connect with other people is also a reflection of your internal story. It's there on your business card. These are all stories. And when you lie in bed at night thinking about your life, what you're doing, that also is a story. And where do we get these stories from? In many cases, we, like a magpie, collect stories from other people around us that they become our own. These aren't true stories, but really a patchwork of other people's agendas and ideas. You know, that could be a story of success. That could be a story of esteem or being accepted by others, which we've collected through the imagery and stories of other people portrayed on media and social media. Most obviously, looking at the pictures that parade in front of you on Instagram of successful people, glamorous, improbable bodies flying on private jets, driving beautiful cars with beautiful spouses and children, and all the adoration of followers around them. And all this does is make us think that we are somehow not enough. We are inadequate. It makes us challenge our own internal story and doubt it. That is the business of advertising, making you feel not enough. Its goal is to make you feel unsettled such that a purchase will then make you feel reassured or settled. 
if you were comfortable that your skin looked okay, you wouldn't need to buy any kind of rejuvenation cream. But then it parades in front of you pictures of glamorous women in their 50s or 60s who have improbably young skin. And it then makes you think about yourself is why don't I look like that? So we have to be careful about the stories we tell of ourselves and allow other people's stories into our lives. For example, what do you say when people ask you, what do you do? That is a story. That's a story that you have a choice to tell in your words. But in many cases, we choose the stories that have been given to us. I'm the vice president of marketing. I'm the CEO. And in many cases, this makes life a lot easier, but it doesn't necessarily help define your story. Why not? You can play with it. Again, a story once believed will either imprison you or set you free forever. And who knows? You want the people who want to know more about that story and ask you questions. For example, why not be an adventurer or a podcaster or a lifestyle entrepreneur or a traveler? Why not? Because you will then attract people into your life who help you define that story as opposed to somebody who's the VP of marketing, which leaves people at best feeling meh. My favorite story, however, is storyteller. That's how I like to define myself. There are no rules for telling your own story, but whatever story you choose, make sure it's your own. Have fun with it. Just remember, you are not your job title.